0: Hey, hey, welcome to This Week in Indiana Football, your favorite podcast about the 14th best team in the Big Ten. That's right, you heard it here first. Uh, I'm your host, John Alden, as usual, alongside with me, Dustin Schooty of Saturday Tradition. I'm not wrong, right? I think it's pretty obvious at this point that Indiana is the 14th best. That's the positive, that's the only positive way to say it. The 14th best team
1: in the Big Ten. Obviously, that's code for the worst, but... There's no good way to spin it, but I do like that intro. Your favorite podcast for the 14th best, like, it's like they're number 14 in the standings, but still number one in your heart. (laughs)
0: Unfortunately, that's not an evergreen... I mean, it could be if Indiana continues to be uh, terrible over the next several years, but I I wouldn't say, hopefully, that that's not an evergreen... People aren't going to listen if Indiana is continually the 14th best team in the Big Ten, which... My goodness. Uh I think last week I talked about how Indiana was one of three teams to not have one of three power 5 teams to not have a win over a power 5 program. Well, now they're yep. one of two teams. Kansas got their win over Texas that leaves Indiana and Vanderbilt in a battle to see who I guess who the worst of the worst is. I don't know how else to put it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I don't know that either one. I don't know what Vanderbilt's schedule looks like. I'm sure that they still have Tennessee left. I don't know who the other team they would play is. But Indiana's got Minnesota and Purdue, and uh, I I don't see either one of those games going well. So it could – I can't believe – well, okay, I can believe based on what my eyeballs have seen. But I remember, like – five or six weeks ago, whatever it was, and we had Mitchell Page on here, and he said we could see a 2-10 and 10 team, and I thought it was a possibility, but I was yeah. like, this team will squeak out a couple wins. They'll get to four or five well, wins. even
0: somebody, I don't know if it was you, and maybe this is the same situation, and I feel like it was earlier in the season, maybe after the, um, I don't know if it was the Cincinnati game or maybe just before the Penn State game, but somebody else has said 2-10. And, and I mean, nobody wants to think that. That once, I guess I'm kind of going into the rant that I wanted to to get into here at the beginning. A lot can change over a year in time, whether it's football or just anything. But Indiana has literally gone from not quite the highest of highs because they didn't win a Big Ten title. They didn't go to the CFP or anything like that. But they went from one of the most historic seasons in program history to this past weekend essentially hitting rock bottom. And you're not starting over per se. But I cannot believe that we're sitting here right now when just a couple months ago we were talking about Indiana
1: potentially challenging Ohio State for a Big Ten title. Yeah, I mean, that's, and and the way it's looked, too, it's not like this is a team that missed out on a couple breaks, right? Like, this isn't a team that was a play here or a play there. I mean, you can probably say that about the Cincinnati game, you can probably say that about the Maryland game. And the Michigan State game, even. You could say that about Michigan State, but then even still, we're talking about what five a five and five team, which yeah looks better, and you're still in bowl contention. But at the same time, when you consider what the expectations were of of getting to seven, eight, nine wins, um, I think there was an unrealistic expectation. Probably, I mean, I would have never ruled out that they could have challenged Ohio State, but I think that there was a a unrealistic expectation, and that was a guarantee because Penn State was going to be good, Ohio State was going to be good, Michigan is never, you know, they're not terrible. I think the surprise of how much Rutgers has improved, Maryland's improved, Michigan State obviously jumped up quite a bit, Iowa was damn good, and the way that their schedule played out, I mean, they just had no real chance to get any footing. Would have been interesting to see maybe if teams like Maryland and Rutgers were scheduled at the front portion of that schedule. Which we'll see next year. Uh, I'm not saying it would be any different, but it's difficult to play the kind of schedule they did in consecutive weeks, not being able to get any traction, not being able to get it. Um, I mean, to me, it just all goes back to how disastrous that loss to Iowa was at 34 to six game. And it's kind of, was it the chicken or the egg, you know, which came first was Indiana really that bad from the start of the season Or did Iowa beat them so badly, make them rethink everything that it translated to this year? And that's a question I can't figure out, and I don't know if anybody's going to have the answer to it.
0: And it's the nightmare scenario that I think I jokingly coined the term, uh, the Penn State effect early on in the season. How bad would that Iowa loss affect this team? And Penn State only had to deal with a handful of games last year with a shortened season. And also you had Penn State bounce back in the second half of the year. But Indiana has just been reeling. It's almost like when you have such a gut-punching loss at the beginning of the year that they had and just not ever finding a true way to recover, it's like they... I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The Some some part of the game plan was thrown out and, and they just never recovered from it. Michael Penix, obviously. And, and that's another thing, the injuries. And it's not even just Michael Penix. There's been several defensive injuries. We're now on our third-string quarterback who is essentially the future of the program. And there's nothing bad about that. That If there's silver lining about playing Donovan McCulley right now, it's that he's going to be more prepared for next season than he would have been had he not had the chance to to get the snaps that he's getting right now. But It's a lost season. At this point, all you can do is look forward to the off season, Hope Tom Allen... I don't even know if he has to have the guts to, to make coaching changes at this point because it's not really controversial. But hopefully he has has it in him to really make the right decision and move forward with somebody else before 2022
1: i there's no question he's going to have to make that decision um and it should be it probably should have already happened if we're going to be quite honest and i don't like to be the guy that that fires the assist i mean these guys have families they've got things you know things that we don't understand that's happening so i hate to be the fire the the guy at the same time you look at the seven Big Ten games Indiana's played, I can't remember the exact number, but they're averaging just over 10 points per game in the Big Ten. If you take away the 35-point performance against Maryland, they're averaging about six points per game. I, that's not even a touchdown and an extra point. That's how bad it is. Like I, I don't even have words for that. Six points. Is this
0: Northwestern bad from two seasons ago? I saw you I tweeted something worst. about that.
1: It's gotta be worse. There's (laughs) like that team was really bad too, but, and and they're very similar in their DNA almost because that team, Northwestern's defense that year was actually fairly solid. Their offense was just so inept. And then they made a change at offensive coordinator. They were able to bring in Peyton Ramsey and he was kind of the the fix for that. Right. And that makes you wonder, does Indiana kind of go that same route? I mean, they're going to make a change at offensive coordinator. Is it, As simple as, I don't think the fix for uh, Indiana Deasy is just a quarterback. And I don't think you really want to go into the the transfer portal and
0: bring somebody in. And I mean, it's so hard to figure out the ethics of that because we don't know what Michael Penix is going to do. We don't know what Jack Tuttle is going to do. But I just feel like the overall sense, I think the fan base has kind of moved on from both of them. When you're thinking long-term, you want to get this young guy who's been getting your most important snaps the past couple of games. You want to get him ready. Why do you want to take a step back and continue to use people who have, A, been hurt, and B, don't have much eligibility left in the first place?
1: I I don't know. I mean, you have to consider all options. So this is why I say if, they, if there's a guy in the transfer portal that you can get, you go get him. Um, yeah. This is your job and your livelihood on the line. This is the future of your program you don't have time to pardon my language you don't have time to dick around (laughs) and try i mean you don't you can't say well let's see if this is going to work better next this isn't the kevin wilson days where you try to establish a program like if players aren't happy they're going to leave like indiana's already seen multiple players a couple of running backs and i'm surprised it's it's
0: not more i am genuinely surprised at the rate at the gigantic drop off that we've seen. I don't know if it's just the type of guys that Tom Allen recruits or if they're just waiting to see if there's going to be a coordinator change, but I'm really surprised that we haven't seen decommitments, that we haven't seen more guys jump in the transfer portal. And I mean that's a good thing from an Indiana perspective, but I am surprised.
1: Yeah, you know, I am too, and maybe those things come, you know, we'll see in about what probably about a month. I don't know what the actual Excuse well, me, Tom gosh. Allen, I
0: don't want to quote him word for word because I don't know the exact quote, but Jim Coyle, obviously our show's brought to you by NES Sports, but he Jim asked him in the postgame this past week if there were going to be personnel changes. And he didn't say yes or no, but he said that's going to come at the end of the season. Almost kind of like foreshadowing, hey, be patient, something's coming, but we're going to wait until, you know, the final whistle's blown.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't understand that. But I think I I don't think Tom Allen's the kind
0: of guy who would ever fire somebody midseason. I don't, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. That's just the kind of demeanor he
1: has, I feel like. But, but here's the thing. Um, you probably know Tom Allen and Nick Sheridan. I'm, I would guarantee at this point I've had that conversation. It's probably not just going to be public. I mean, if you, I guess you don't need to make it public, but. At this point, what I mean, you might as well let people know you're in the market for a new offensive coordinator. And at this point, I legitimately don't have a problem with him allowing Nick Sheridan to finish it out. That's whatever. To each their own getting a coordinator change, you get you have I don't think there's anybody on that staff that's capable of running the offense. Um, because the offensive line hasn't played well. The wide receivers yeah. haven't played well. The running backs haven't played well. The quarterbacks haven't played well. So who would you trust based on what you saw, what slop you saw on the offensive side of the ball? Who would you trust to hand over play calling duties and to run this offense? You're going to have to bring in somebody brand new. Yeah. So why not just say, you know what? We're going to allow Nick to finish out these last couple games. Then we're going to make an offensive coordinator change. Maybe they've had that conversation and that's not how they want to handle it. That's fine. That's fine. But I guarantee they've had that conversation. So, it, to me, it's just a matter of we need to – like I would be looking now because you look at all the coaching changes that are happening, the coaching carousel. There's, what, 13 jobs that have already been posted this season? Yeah. That means that means head coaches are going to be looking for coordinators, uh, position coaches, all that stuff. So, you've got to get a jump on this. Otherwise, you're going to get behind the eight ball and you're going to get stuck with another bad decision. Well, another
0: interesting thing that you mentioned – Somewhere I don't know if it was your social media or something I I don't know but um the, the difference between the coordinator position at Nebraska and Indiana which one's more attractive There's yep. a di- couple of factors that I thought were very interesting Nebraska as we talked about last week it's kind of a one year deal because you're just kind of giving Scott Frost that last chance with Indiana you're kind of there, there's more job security but maybe there's less pieces to work with so it'll be I, And obviously facilities and stuff on Nebraska's side too, but I'm not sure what's more attractive. I I, I would say off the top of my head, probably Nebraska, just from the fact that it is Nebraska. But at the same time, I don't, if I were somebody looking for a a chance at being an offensive coordinator, especially at a Big Ten school, I don't know if
1: I'd want one year to do it. Well, the thing is, to some people that question or that Some people called it a take. It's not really a take. I don't have an opinion on it. It's just a question I would have if I'm an offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. What job do you think is more? And and look, Nebraska is probably going to configure a contract where it's a guaranteed two, two or three year deal, so that way there's some sense of security. Even though that's that's
0: not, it's just it's all is though.
1: It's a sense of security. Right. Correct. So the though they're looking for long term. Let's say they get let's say they get seven games in this is totally hypothetical and they're two and five and trev alberts is like nope you had your chance we're done we're we're moving on this product is not getting any better okay so now we have to now those guys are gonna have to find new jobs and while they have the money in their pocket a lot of those people are looking to make their next job to get their next job whether that's as an offensive coordinator or whether that's as a head coach or you know the nfl this might be so i don't think it's I think you're right in terms of the money Nebraska can offer, the facilities, probably the talent.
0: Mm-hmm. You have
1: that's all in Nebraska's favor. When you look at Indiana, there's like Tom Allen's not going to get fired. Uh, no, he's not, got a
0: massive. I don't know what he ranks in the. He's Big got a 10 massive talents, buyout,
1: but yeah, he's got a massive buyout right now. He's got a massive buyout. He's in a good. He's in a good position. They've had a couple winning seasons, even when they were not in the bull in bowl games. They were at least going into the Old Oak and Bucket game. At five and six with a chance to get to bowl eligibility. So they haven't had a year where they've been miserable like this year. The other interesting aspect of this to me is look at the last couple coordinators who have come to Indiana with Tom Allen. Kalen DeBoer was there for one year. He got a head coaching job at Fresno state. Mm-hmm. Kane Womack was a defensive coordinator there for two years. I don't know how long he was on staff. The year uh, before he was, he
0: was, he was just,
1: I think linebackers coach because okay. Tom Allen was still
0: calling the plays.
1: I thought he was on the staff, but I couldn't remember what his position was. After two years as the defensive coordinator, he gets a job down at South Alabama. I think both those programs are bowl eligible. I can't I could be wrong. I can't
0: vouch for South Alabama's record right now. I know they had a hot start to the year. He was like three or four and oh. I know they dropped a few after that, but I mean he's definitely exceeding expectations
1: from what I would think. Yeah. So that's but that's the thing. Tom Allen can go and say look at what these coordinators have been able to do. They went on and and got, yeah, G5 jobs, but you do well at the G5 level, you're going to get some Power 5 offers. Well, here's the
0: thing. If you're a good coordinator, coordinator, yeah, that's true. Tom Allen's developing his coaching tree, and I don't know where they'll go. I mean, Kalen DeBoer, I'm not sure how seriously USC's thinking about that, but surely he's on USC's, uh, I guess, watch list for that job. Like, I mean, I'm sure USC will want a much more, I guess, iconic. I don't know if that's the best word, but a, a bigger name higher than somebody that's like Kalen DeBoer. Probably. But it's the fact that he's out in that area and he's having success. So uh, right. it'll be interesting to see what kind of move Tom Allen makes. He's made some good decisions when it's come to coordinator hires, for the most part. Mike DeBoer was kind of, and this I mean, this is kind of the opposite of that. I feel like he brought in Mike DeBoer initially because he needed somebody with experience. He wasn't, he had never been a. Uh, a college head coach at all before so he needed somebody who could essentially show him the ropes even if he wasn't the most dynamic offensive guy he ended up retiring which I mean he would have been fired anyway so it kind of lucked out that It's probably with the discussion that occurred during that time he brought in Kane Womack which was fantastic Tom Allen I, I never worry about the defensive hires that he makes Charlton Warren seems to be kind of kind of taking the reins from Kane Womack a little bit there's been a little bit of growing pains there maybe they'll be There'll be more improvement there next season. On the other, on the offensive side of the ball, again, Kalen DeBoer is a fantastic hire. But on the other, the other end of that, you have Nick Sheridan, which yes, he's kind of a, a disciple of Kalen DeBoer, but he's more so of a disciple of Mike DeBoer. And so and there's, a, by the way, there's a lot of DeBoer, DeBoer right there. I know, so, I, and I remember initially whenever uh, Indiana hired Kalen DeBoer, I was like, people are going to have an issue with this simply because of how similar his name is to Mike DeBoard, even if uh, they and obviously their offensive philosophies were completely different, but I've gone, I've gone kind of a tirade here, but, uh, I haven't mentioned this yet on the air. I've had four cups of coffee. So throughout today. So my thoughts are scatterbrained. I feel like we've done a good job so far at maintaining conversation, but when I go on these monologues, I feel like it's just one thought after another, but, uh, yeah. The initial thought to round all of this. Tom Allen, I feel like he's done a decent job at picking his assistants. I think when he's had his back against the wall with it is when he's done his best. Whenever things are going well and he's trying to replace somebody, maybe it's not it's it's not so he, he tries to make more of a comfortable thing like hey, like with the Nick Sheridan hire, it's kind of like all right, this is working well, let's keep this in house. But whenever he knows that his his ass is on the line essentially, I feel like he knows that he's got to make that home run higher and maybe he won't have the ability to do it necessarily because of the, the season that they're having right now and how far they've fallen off. But I think he can go out there and find the right guy for,
1: for what he's looking for. Well, I don't, I mean, I I don't think you, you see what he was able to do with a good offensive coordinator. I mean, it's not like this team has repeatedly been two and ten every single season. Um, if that was the case, it would be hard to attract somebody else to come in there and take over that job. But that's why it's interesting to me because this is a team that last year lost one one Big Ten game. A couple of years ago, they were eight and five. Before that, like I said, they were five and seven. They were five and seven. So this. This has really been the the lowest point under Tom Allen by by a wide margin. Like it's not even close. It's not like oh, it's back to being old Indiana. Like this is back to like pre Kevin Wilson Indiana. Yeah, this is the worst. Really? We're
0: on track for it to be the
1: worst season since Kevin Wilson's first year. Right, and so I think that you can still attract somebody. The the problem he does get in or did get in with that, and I kind of understand his line of thinking was, Kalen DeBoer kind of showed everybody the ropes. He laid out the the map to success. I want Nick Sheridan to run something similar to that because it was so successful. And just quite frankly, he just he couldn't handle it. That wasn't his style. That wasn't his scheme. And that- he's
0: a first-time coordinator. Kalen DeBoer came from a long line of success. Whether And I know most of it was at a lower division level, but it was still a guy who knew how to win and knew exactly what he wanted to do. Nick Sheridan right. was not that at all. Yes, he had experience of working under it, but that's not the same thing as running your own team or own
1: offense even if it was from a different level. Right. I mean, yeah, Kalen DeBoer had all the – he he knew when you win national championships at any level, you obviously know what you're talking about. You obviously know what you're doing. You know what works. Um, and then to have that success out at Fresno State, I think he had success at Eastern Michigan. I don't remember all of his stops along the way, but I think he was at Eastern Michigan, Fresno State. He was successful pretty much everywhere he went, so it wasn't a surprise. It just – I mean, it just didn't work out. I mean, it's it's not to say that Nick Sheridan can't develop into a good offensive coordinator or a good position coach at some time down the road, but what he tried to do with the players Indiana had, and and look, it's not all on him either, because obviously the offensive line is, I mean, that is god-awful. Like, I, I just don't understand. I mean,
0: obviously they missed, they're missing guys like Harry Kreider, uh, who went to the NFL early. I feel like I'm missing one other guy who left that was pretty important from last season, but... It just doesn't make sense how, when you've been with a guy, Darren Hiller... I mean, t- Darren Hiller is one of Tom Allen's original hires from, from four or five years ago, however long it's been. I don't understand how you can progressively get that much worse whenever you... It seemed like you were that dynamic a couple years ago, and all of a sudden, it's just like they, they couldn't they couldn't stop me, and I'm 160 pounds. That's probably a lie, but... That's kind of, that's where we're at right now with the offensive line.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, it looks bad. Uh, there's no, there's no way to, <laughs> there, there's no way to, I mean, really sugarcoat that. They've looked bad. I think that, that the way that they wanted to run this offense, it's more of a finesse offensive line than a power. And when the finesse isn't there and you're trying to get power, it's not going to end well. And that's been the problem. That's why you have two quarterbacks who have gotten hurt. That's why you have a non-existent run game. And that's why you can't throw the ball. Maybe they should make, I mean, obviously, D'Lon
0: McCullough is the running backs coach, but maybe they should promote him to the line. I don't know how much he knows about the offensive line from a coaching standpoint. No, I wouldn't do that. He's not I a big dude. Do that. <laughs> it's probably not the best idea, but. No. it's. I,
1: I would say, no, you, you
0: need to gonna, bring okay, somebody in. If I'm being serious, yes, you're going to bring somebody in. But I, I'm just I, saying, let's just say they got rid of Darren Hiller a few weeks ago, who would have taken over that responsibility, I would have put it on Dylan McCullough. It's a hypothetical question. It's really not even worth talking about. It's just a thought that popped into my head. But anyway, we, we've been talking about our 14th, the 14th best team in the Big Ten, our favorite Indiana Hoosiers for the past 20 minutes. We had something that happened about 28 minutes ago, and that was uh, the conclusion of this past week's, or I guess this week's, college football playoff rankings, Yippee, everybody's favorite hour-long debacle on ESPN starring your favorites, Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreit. Actually, th- those two guys I don't really have issues with. Um, it's just some of the other supporting any... characters on ESPN sometimes that get on my nerves. But
1: Here, Yeah, well, I mean, they all have their own takes, and I disagree with them. I, let, let me say this. I think that all of them know what they're talking about. I think that they all have valid points and bring up yeah. valid arguments. I disagree a lot with what David Pollack says because I don't think he gives enough credit to the Big Ten. But, like, that comes down to opinion-based. When it comes to... It seems like everybody is on the side of logic and reason. when With it comes the committee's to whole- decisions, yes. Yeah. When it comes to this Michigan-Michigan State thing, this Oregon-Ohio State thing... Why is, why is head-to-head matter for certain teams and not for other teams? Why do you have to be undefeated? Cincinnati's got no shot to get in. So Here's just, the only thing. And I th- you beat me to it. I, wasn't gonna tweet. I, don't, I don't tweet
0: every living thing like I probably should sometimes. I don't want to tweet everything, but I feel like there are some takes that I should probably take advantage smart. of. Um, but the, I can't remember because what exactly you said, but the only way Cincinnati's getting in is if Alabama gets beat
1: handily by Georgia in the SEC championship game. I don't even know that that's the case. I mean, there's going to have to be a lot of stuff that happens. Do you think Alabama's in regardless of the kind of loss they take? No, no, no. I'm not saying regardless. But let's say there are circumstances where both – If I I can't do math, so I'm trying to do this in my head. But there's a circumstance where you could have a one-loss Michigan and a one-loss Michigan State in this season. They'd have to both beat Ohio State. There's a scenario where Notre Dame has one loss. There's a scenario where Oklahoma State – there's forced, no, those do you really think they put lost? notre
0: dame over cincinnati when you i mean i know they're a head to head and they're they're kind Wait, of
1: on the fence with yeah. that but cincinnati did win in notre dame stadium i am aware of that but this committee doesn't care gary barda in all of his infinite wisdom tonight <laughs> said that what what was the exact quote hold on i don't want to misquote our our uh, lord and savior here of the college oh, football playoff rankings <laughs> Knows nothing about what's happening. Do you think he... I think he likes doing Twitter. what he does. He has think to like he, doing it. Well, I'm sure he you does. Ha- you have to like
0: being yeah. the most hated guy in college sports to do what he does.
1: Set aside watching the games. That was a literal, actual fact of... quote. Well, I've got a blue tongue, by the way. Oh, drinking blue he, power. Okay, me. yeah. That's a little sponsorship <laughs> there. I just noticed in the camera. Uh... Set aside watching the games. Statistically, Michigan comes out on top in just about every court category in reference to Michigan State. They just played a couple weeks ago, and Michigan State won. Can you bleep me? Can I say the F word on here? You You can say whatever you want. This isn't a syndicate. Michigan league. fucking. Michigan State fucking beat Michigan. I said it twice. I like, okay, here's the here's the thing. When you look at this, big picture. What we what what you're basically arguing right now is that Michigan has the better loss. And that doesn't resonate with me. I don't like that. The look Michigan has beaten the number six team. Correct? Correct. Michigan I keep getting these mixed up. Michigan, yeah, Michigan State, State has beaten the number yes. six team. Michigan State has beaten the number 6 team. At home, I don't care, they beat the number 6 team. Michigan's best win is against the number 15 team. That was Wisconsin on the road. Okay? So when you look at the two teams best win, Michigan State gets the advantage. Plus, Michigan State has beaten has beaten Michigan head to head. So that's two components that should be factored into this. It doesn't matter to me that it's the same team. Here's I mean, does I that think. make sense? Here's why
0: I, th- I think the committee last week, I think they know they screwed up, but in order to not look even more corrupted than they already are, you can't go back and switch it simply because you know you screwed up the first time.
1: See, see, I don't agree with that. I but think I, I think be- you should, but I think that's what they're worried about. No, I don't think so. I think you look, Joel Klatt does the best job of laying this out as to what the problem is. And he hit the nail on the head because he said, this committee will not admit they're wrong. How easy would it have been? We could have settled this. Gary Barta could have come out. The selection committee could have put Michigan at number six, Michigan at number seven. Gary Barta could have come out. And said, you know what? Last week we thought about it. We made a mistake. You know, the committee thought we made a mistake. We decided to put Michigan State. They had a convincing win against Maryland. Yeah, Michigan went on the road and beat Penn State, but we we decided that the head to there a little bit more. When you look at all the metrics, maybe Michigan's the more complete team. But because Michigan State has a the better win, if they knew what they if they knew what they were doing, they would point to Michigan State having the better win of the two teams, and then you can throw head to head. It's interesting how they're more focused on a better loss than a better win. That's my point. And if you're arguing that, it's I'm going to say this again. It's the dumbest fucking argument in the history of sports. Which team has the better loss? Not to mention the fact this isn't like when Ohio State went to Iowa in 2017 and got their ass beat. This isn't like 2018 when Ohio State went to Purdue and got their ass beat. This is... Oh, For a good majority of the game, in the third quarter, this was a tie game. Purdue extended the lead to 13. They got it to 16. But with five minutes and some change left, Michigan State was within eight. It's a one-possession game. Like, if one thing goes bad for Purdue, Michigan State's going to have a chance to tie the game, force overtime, or whatever the case might be. Plus, it's on the road. Plus, Purdue beat Iowa. Purdue has three wins over power five teams with a winning record when you throw Oregon State into the mix like like it's it's not like Michigan State lost to Rutgers. I think you I could don't put like that. I think you
0: could put 15 random people who don't watch college football in a room and just give them records, yes, give them statistics, don't give them team names and just tell them to put put and just give them the top 10 and tell them to put this top 10 in order just based on all of these metrics that the CFP committee so-called so, so called goes by. And I think you could find a more, I, I guarantee almost all those people would have Michigan State over
1: Michigan. Random random old Joes from the side of the road. I think that pet monkey in Texas, that bit of trick-or-treater, would be able to <laughs> figure out that Michigan State deserves to be ahead of Michigan. That's I, how dumb I think this committee is. I totally,
0: is. I only caught the tail end of that. Steve Sarkeesian monkey story. I just knew that it was a thing. I never did a deep dive into that.
1: Well, it wasn't Steve Sarkeesian. It was what the special teams coordinator or whatever, whatever his, his, his girlfriend, his fat little girlfriend. I just, I'm just saying that, that, that I have no faith in anybody in that room. And it, it continues to not make sense when you put, when, when the head to head for Oregon and Ohio state matters, So I still don't understand why it matters for certain teams. You look at the metrics. I like. I I can't imagine that Oregon is better than Ohio State in many categories. Maybe like pass defense. I don't know. I'd have to look at the numbers. I don't have the statistics, but whatever. That's the thing. When you
0: put all these people in who their job is to sit there and think about this all the time, you overthink
1: too many things, and that's why we've gotten to where we are today. Here's the crazy thing, too. You know why this is so ridiculous is if Michigan State loses to Ohio State this weekend, nobody, and I mean nobody, is going to have a problem with Michigan being ranked ahead of Michigan State. Well, you shouldn't. That's my point. So why, I mean, is it like, are we all just this stupid? And the answer to this question is yes. (laughs) We're all just this stupid. To take the bait and argue about it and, and create this that's drama true. for the college football playoff because they did this. When we know if Ohio State wins this weekend, we don't care anymore. It's dead. It's a done conversation. And, I think and if we, Michigan State wins, guess what? They're going to be back in the top four. So then again, it doesn't matter. And that's the thing. So,
0: they tried laying this out right whenever they released these rankings like, okay, Let's try to go ahead and calm the waters before they get too rough because we already know what the conversation's going to be. And, and I yeah. think, as stupid as this is, at the beginning of the college football rankings show, they say just win and win win again, whatever the heck that, that saying is. I mean, that's exactly... It, does, it doesn't matter what these rankings are because if you're Michigan, if you're Michigan State, if you're Ohio State, if you take care of business, you win the Big Ten, you don't lose any more games, it doesn't matter. You're going to get in the playoffs. This is just, right. like you said, it's bait for idiots like us to talk about and bitch about because, I mean, what else are, what else are we going to do? If they, if they had it correct with Michigan and Michigan State, there's really no complaining. I mean, other than the fact that I think Alabama shouldn't be number two, I think they could probably be number four, but other than the Michigan-Michigan State thing, there's really nothing atrocious there right now, I don't think.
1: I don't think so either, either because I think... I don't think Alabama should have been number two in the initial playoff rankings. Now I think that you can make the argument that that's where they belong. I really don't have a problem with that. To me, this boils down to the to the because this week, look, and I've complained about this, so I'll give the committee some credit on this front. In the past, we've had the the SEC has had the highest ranked zero, one, yep. two, and three lost teams, and this the only week four was lost
0: team. Now, well,
1: this week they did have the only four lost team. This week, Wisconsin was the highest-ranked three-loss team. Baylor was the highest-ranked two-loss team. So, and then you had, I mean, Georgia and Alabama. At that point, you're kind of, it doesn't really matter two and three. If you put Ohio State at two, Alabama and Ohio State still have to play each other in the theoretical formula we have.
0: Or Oh, you mean in the playoff?
1: If, it, if it's two-three, it doesn't really matter whether it's Ohio State or Alabama in that two spot. You're going to have to play each other anyway. So that really doesn't even matter to me anymore. Um, so I mean, there's, yeah, there's, to me, there was nothing else egregious that I noticed from this playoff ranking. It was rather mundane other than they still refuse. And the explanation, like I would rather they just say, yeah, we're laughing in your faces because we know how upset everybody's getting about this. I'm
0: curious if they have, if they have conversations like, if we do this, how much better will the ratings be on ESPN? Because people are watching and talking about. That? I don't. I mean, that I would, seems out of. That seems so horrible to say that people would do that, but it's. I don't think it's completely unlikely.
1: But don't you think? And I don't. I'm not an expert. Now I understand that there's some shock value, and that's why you have certain news stations and. You'll see, see the, the rankings when we do. I love that. I love yeah. that. You'll <laughs> see certain networks though that'll put out. Tra- there's, they'll skew the story, they'll skew the angle to bring in more viewers. Yeah. But to me, with this committee and the way that the ratings have declined, people aren't going to watch. Like, in my opinion, you've got college basketball going on right now. You've got college football being played. You've got NBA. You've got other stuff. People are just going to say, you know what? I don't trust this committee. Instead of watching through this hour long, trying to try, attempting to explain what is criminally wrong in this. Mm. I'm just going to look at it on my phone. Oh. Because ultimately, this the thing is, is this ultimately doesn't matter. Like, again, we, we break out down all these scenarios, and by the time we get to the final week, to the championship week of the season, it's probably all going to play itself out. Like, both Michigan and Michigan State probably not going to be in the conversation. Yeah. I mean – Cincinnati, they might lose a game. Alabama could lose a second game. Maybe they lose to, well, Bo Nix is out, but they could theoretically lose to Auburn. Maybe that will knock them out. I'll tell you what's so,
0: interesting, though, about Alabama. We all we talk about Alabama being, let's just say they went out and lose to Georgia, they still get in. Imagine if they lose but still play Georgia and beat them. Yeah. That's an interesting they could scenario, still get in. too. I, I, I mean, I guess if you're the only team to beat, probably the best team in college football you probably deserve it, even with two losses but i don't know i I think we've probably we've talked a lot about it. i hope you
1: can go back and put in a bleep button for my f-bombs tonight (laughs) (laughs) probably around the 26 minute mark somewhere around there you've got to go listen and add the bleep button
0: yeah i feel like i had one more thing to say about this 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 wasn't i did make a note of something to say but it's not what i was thinking of um, and it's about Reese Davis. There was one point I think it was before the uh, the first commercial break. He sounded like me trying to get the gym to take a break on Indiana Sports Beat, sitting there telling his guys to hurry up. They got to get to a commercial. I was like, yeah, that's me that.
1: every every day. <laughs> yep, he does that quite a bit on the on game day too, especially during the the selection sat or uh, yeah selection Saturday yeah, because. Uh, if you've never been in the position like that, and and in some cases it's more
0: important than obviously on ESPN, it's I'm sure it's a very important thing you got to get your commercials in. But right, and, and like, whereas with Indiana sports, it's not so much a big deal. I'm just the kind of person that has a, a mental clock, like hey, let's I'll, I like to keep us on time and all that kind of stuff. But it's a it's a it can be stressful to make sure you get all those advertisements in, especially when you have a uh, actual deadline. And look, like like in my other job at iHeart, whenever I'm on the WHAS station. That's uh that's re- that's real stuff. You, you you gotta make sure your host is out on time for that kind of stuff. But that's uh that's bills to pay. That's, that's exactly. Pay. And one of the other guys I work with, that's just, that's how he always goes to break. He says, I gotta pay some bills. I like that. I guess mean, <laughs> a good way to let people know he's gotta get out. So Yeah. Moving on from that, um I guess we'll go and go into pick'ems. We'll talk about Indiana and Minnesota when we get to them on pick'ems, because we do gotta still talk about Indiana's attempt to get to a third and maybe fourth win which I don't think is going to happen uh, but we'll, we'll get to that because I do have I do have some some silver lining thoughts on that on on ways it could turn out for him but we'll see it's week 12 updated records uh, Dustin and I did have one or two differences between each other he got one of them I got the other he chose Rutgers over Indiana I chose uh, Michigan over Penn State but that still leaves a nine game difference going into what is it we have three weeks left of the regular season so this is Dustin has all but won this he's up 73 and 8 <laughs> 73 and 18 I'm 64 and 27 unless we just unless we just have a whole bunch of disagreements or picks over the next several weeks which at this point in the season you you pretty much know every team's identity and what and what to expect from each matchup I feel like so it's harder to there's get those
1: 14 games away. so we'll have to have at least nine differences.
0: Nah. and I'll have to and I'll have to win all of them.
1: All of them, yeah.
0: <laughs> so God I mean, well, here I don't have a trophy in front of me, but if, if I were to have, if I were to grab the most trophy-like thing I have at my disposal at the moment, it's this. It's my coffee mug that I've drank four cups out of today.
1: How about Scrappy the Owl? Scrappy the By Owl. The
0: I tell you what, you here's before That's we safe. before we could get into these pickums, you mentioned that you think or let me me start with this I said that Kennesaw State is going to become my second favorite team in college basketball this season you said I'm going to regret that why is that
1: well I'll tell you well the other night I went to a game um they played a division three Piedmont and they did not look good against the division three teams so I'm a little nervous so they did have competition
0: because they they did good against the Iowa State
1: and Creighton am I correct is that they, who they played. Play, yes, you're correct. They played them hard. They. I don't. It's hard for me to say they played well because there were so many turnovers and fouls and missed mm-hmm. shots. Uh, this team is. They're they're a lot better than they were the last two years. I'll give them a lot of credit. We'll see. They on on Friday they play Belmont. I'm actually excited to get to that game. Um, but at times this is a very frustrating. Can be a very frustrating team to watch. how they but, do against Carver Bible or whoever that was? Oh man, school record 117 to 58. That was a huge win. 100. Uh we're coming for Nebraska on December 22nd, wow. I believe it is.
0: I'm just gonna see so that's great for your followers because you're going to get to piss them off even more. This time on purpose. For one day, on purpose. For one, day,
1: for one day that we're gonna fight. I I usually, you know. I throw out stats, and sometimes people don't like it, but that's okay. We can have differences in opinions. But I'll tell you what, I may I well, I, I have said this before.
0: There is one particular Nebraska followers that I do not like, and it seems like he goes out of his way to comment on every little thing that you tweet about Indiana that's, that's bad about them, and it's Carolina Husker. <laughs> I don't know what his problem is with Indiana. Maybe, maybe there's still a bad taste in his mouth from when – uh, Wap failure brought over Chucky the doll, and Indiana escaped Lincoln with a win. But he seems to I'm really enjoy the fact that Indiana is suffering, even though they're also suffering.
1: I'm a big fan of Carolina Husker. Number I want, I want to be, you don't I have want to be, but you there's been, to. I've had to withhold hold
0: myself three times from clapping back <laughs> at him.
1: <laughs> there are, let me just say that there, I mean, there's, there's, there's me. a you little don't. bad blood there. There's a little bad blood there. That's what I have to say. With it, I oh, mean, he has know. a problem with Indiana. No, 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 no. I'm just saying between Indiana and Nebraska because of what happened, because of the way Tom Allen acted after the game, because was of Tom the Allen things or that were said. At... Well, both Tom Allen said something to the effect that they got what they wanted, or something, <laughs> uh, something like that. So I mean, like it's it's not all sides are innocent, but you can certainly like it's just it's fun banter. Plus. If I remember correctly, that game, Indiana had a lot of injuries.
0: You know, the and the, I, you know, I was at a wedding when I watched that game on my phone. I can't, I couldn't tell you about injuries, but I do remember. I do remember. So this previously this year, I was at a wedding when Ohio State was playing Indiana. Thankfully, I That's didn't good. have a reason to step out and watch that one. I could just focus yeah. on the wedding. But I was repeatedly stepping out to watch the Indiana Nebraska game. Because that was really the beginning of, of, of I guess, the resurgence. Well, I don't know if you want to call it a resurgence. But the rise of, of what Indiana right. was. And I say was because they're not there anymore right now. But this past week, and this is another thing that I've been uh, trying to avoid during Indiana's decline. This is still on the topic of Twitter. but um, and, I, and I love Martha the Mop Lady. She's one of my favorite Indiana Twitter accounts. She does a lot mm-hmm. of good stuff giving away tickets. But I decided to chime in and I I knew because I like I said I'd been withholding this for the past couple of days. I decided to make a comment because I, at some point I feel like whenever you have the influence that you do and you say the things that you do, it, it starts to you start to get a lot of your following on that same trajectory and, and opinion as you. And, and it's just about Tom Allen and Nick Sheridan. It's the same stuff we hear every single week. And it's not wrong. It's just the fact that it seems like you find a more aggressive way to say those kinds of things. And I decided to, uh, cl- I don't want to say clap back, because it really wasn't a clap back. It was just me expressing my uh, issue. Saying that you make lots of good points, but all of this toxic tweeting is getting a little excessive. And I, for the first time, and I'm not a Twitter influencer by any stretch of the mind but since stepping mm. into this realm of podcasting and doing the stuff with jim i had some people come back at me for saying saying what's toxic about the truth only for the week when the gameplay was that toxic and pathetic it is justified and it's 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 not that the truth is toxic it's and i feel like some people are thinking that that I I'm trying to be all buddy buddy with like trying to defend Tom Allen when I'm saying that there's that that, that, that there's a tweet that something's wrong with the tweet. Cause I, I even had somebody else telling me that am I Tom Allen's brother-in-law or what? And then I also got, I also got accused of being, <laughs> I also got accused of being a a Tom Allen burner account from the side.
1: Um, Thankfully,
0: thankfully, thankfully, Martha the Mop Lady actually did take up for me and said, "John's a good dude. We just disagree on certain things." But I don't understand the issue with the fact that just because I'm trying to mitigate all of this—I don't want to say hate because it's not hate—but all of the negativity. Would you say that I'm, I'm not? I'm not in denial of the truth. I clearly understand that there needs to be changes. Correct. Right. Yeah, do, I would
1: say yes. And I'm not. Do you, do you need further explanation there? Or? What do you mean? Uh, you. I mean, you, you paused. It well, seems I, like you. I'm, want so me to, I'm you're,
0: trying to figure out: Are people just mad that, or, or so mad about Indiana football that they think I'm trying to take the side of Tom Allen by saying that I don't like the way that all of this has been going down with certain people?
1: Well, here's the thing. What you're going to find is it doesn't matter. Um, and I'm not trying to make people, this a therapy session.
0: I'm just curious no, about the way what, that fans interact.
1: What What you'll find is that it doesn't matter what you say or what you tweet, whether you're positive or negative. People are going to come after you one way or another because there's going to be oh, there's always two sides to the argument, right? So you're going to find. I mean, there are going to be people at Michigan who believe that. Jim Harbaugh should stay there for the next 10 years. So you tweet that Jim Harbaugh's done a great job, Graham. Uh, they're back to nine and one. They're back in contention. He should get an extension. You're going to get people that agree with you. You're going to be, you know, he, he hasn't beaten Michigan state in a while. You know, he hasn't beaten Ohio state every time. to the big 10 championship game on the other side, you're going to say Jim Harbaugh can't beat Ohio state or Michigan state. Can't get to the big 10 championship game. He needs to be fired. Michigan needs to find a new coach. You're gonna get people that say, Are you kidding me? He's nine and one right now. Who cares if we lost to Michigan State? We can still beat Ohio State, yada yada yada. So this is what I think I've found is this is for a lot of people, this is their escape. This is their chance to, and unfortunately it's on Twitter, and unfortunately it comes out in a negative. But this is their one opportunity to let all of their frustration think about all the frustration you have during a work week. And then your team sucks.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not even making that up. Like, that's the one thing. Imagine that's the one thing you have forward to look – you look forward to on the weekend is watching Indiana play. And it's almost like people
0: play. piggybacking. And then
1: you see the same thing over and over again. And you're like, I'm tired. I spent money on season tickets. Yeah. I spent money on a – you know, I, I could have had other things. I could have went on vacation. I could have done – you know, I could have had – holiday. or a, weekend plans all season long if i knew it was going to be this bad so all the vet bent up frustration vent built up frustration i can't say the other word all the other built up frustration then comes out and it's not like people just they're a, they're also a lot more vocal because they don't have to face you like a human being like they're behind their phone they're behind a keyboard it's a lot easier to say something that way than it is to say something to somebody's face.
0: Well, that's true. And they, I'm sure they don't appreciate the fact that I'm, that they, they want to be pissed and they don't like the fact that I'm trying to hinder. And I'm not talking about Martha the Mop Lady. I'm talking about the people right. who are getting mad at me for trying to settle things down. It's like, right? oh, Tom Allen needs to be held accountable, this kind of stuff. Like, we, my point of all this is, obviously that's true, but I guess and we've been beating the horse every week. That's almost feels like a catchphrase of the show, but like
1: can I just say that that's the we'll we'll jump into the next thing next. But when people say like an argument on Twitter, like so and so needs to be held accountable, Tom Allen needs to be held accountable, Scott Frost needs to be held accountable, blah blah blah. Well, I'm not the one holding him accountable one way or the other. I have no decision in his future. So, yeah. I don't see what like what you say on Twitter it this it makes no difference what you put on twitter whether whether it's for or against
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm just going to throw that out there right now it talks in record it talks in season tickets it talks in viewership it talks in sponsorship that's where it matters that's where accountability comes into play it's not what some doofus writes on twitter mm-hmm. like it it doesn't it doesn't matter I just don't understand that whole accountability. Well, I'm not the one to hold him accountable. Yeah, Nobody on Twitter is the one to hold him accountable. I mean, Trev Alberts might be on Twitter. I don't know. But he would be the one. He's the only person that's yeah. going to hold Scott Frost accountable. So it'll be, interesting.
0: it'll be great. I'm so glad that Indiana and Nebraska play again next year because it's – Yeah,
1: it will be fun. See, it, now you and so, – now here's what you do. See, next year for the podcast, you and Carolina Husker can, you know, make oh, we, up.
0: We – and you know, I I think we should we should do this. We should bring on who I don't know who associates with you the most. Whoever whoever likes to talk. We should do everyone versus me for for Indiana Nebraska, and I'll take the onslaught oh, from from the Nebraska faithful. I don't you know go. that I legitimately want to do that, but it would be an interesting <laughs> way to see it play out. You
1: might just want to stick with one person and then move on from there. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, because that could get very hectic, but.
0: I'm looking forward to it, especially now that I'm – not that I'm specifically involved with the Nebraska fan base, but vicariously through you and other Big Ten people, it's so fun to see. And for the first time, I'll get to experience uh, either the – maybe I'll hate them even – not that I hate them right now. Maybe I'll have a reason to hate them at that point, or maybe vice versa. there's nothing
1: wrong – there's nothing wrong with a, with a rivalry. There's oh, nothing I wrong really, with. I've really, we talked
0: about this in the very first episode of the podcast. Um, I really want Chucky the Doll to be the official trophy of Indiana, Nebraska.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: I don't know that that will ever happen. It, it won't happen, but I think it would be great. And WAP should a, make an appearance cool. to give it out, whether it's to Nebraska or Indiana. <laughs> or maybe Nebraska can have their own representative instead of WAP Fillier. But... Yeah here we go didn't expect to talk about twitter for 10 or 15 minutes however long it's been but but here we are here we hey that's what happens, and it's probably only gonna get i don't know i don't know if we've if we reached peak twitter complaints like and it's just gonna be done because uh, sorry my i had a train attack train uh, my train of thought went in a completely different direction i was like let's talk about all the dudes ripping their shirts off and going to section 119 that's why i was like why didn't we hit on that yet so my, my what, train what, of thought... What was that about? Was that a protest? What What <laughs> the hell was that? It was, and I apologize for to, to those listening on why I just completely gear shifted into that, but it's something that popped into my head as I was, as I was going down my original path. But I think the motivation was like, if they're not going to bring the energy, we're going to bring all the energy. We're going to go to the highest place in the stadium. We're going to take all of our shirts off. Charles Campbell hits a field goal, I think, going into halftime, and then they're all gone. That, that was it. That was their exit. They didn't stay the rest of the game.
1: Yeah, really? I, I,
0: It was weird. And they earned themselves a spot on, on Big Game Boomers' student section, top 20 student sections after that, which is interesting. Well, there you go. Perfect. So, yeah. Kudos to the Indiana fan base. They showed out in a season where they really had no business showing out, uh, whereas in the other seasons it's the other way around. But we'll see what happens in the future. Let's get into these pickums. We talked about that several minutes ago and never got into them. We're back to a seven-game slate, all teams in action, starting off with number 19, Purdue at Northwestern. Dustin, I believe you, you sent a stat out about this game today. You may have sent out stats about multiple games, but that's the one I saw.
1: I did. I sent out stats about a lot of games. Uh, this one in particular, uh, Northwestern, has surrendered at least 185 rushing yards to every Power 5 opponent it has played, except for Rutgers. I think that was 65, maybe, was Rutgers' total. Um, Purdue has not run the ball well. They have not rushed for 185 yards since 2018 in, like, early October against Illinois when they hit over 200 yards. So this is going to be interesting. It's going to be – what is happening? The dog's again. Eyes. Oh, okay. I can't if uh, you can hear it. <laughs> I could not hear. it. I just saw your eyes ring. That's good. Uh um where was I at? Oh, Purdue can't run the football. I don't I think that what Purdue's going to be able to do is run the ball and maybe get like 125 yards, which is not a lot, but it's good it's good enough to where Aiden O'Connell won't have to throw the ball 50 times. And I think Purdue's going to I don't want to say easily because Northwestern can be scrappy at times, but I think Purdue comfortably wins maybe two three touchdown win for the Boilermakers to get to seven and four
0: I've got Purdue as well I mean and they're on track if they win this obviously and then take care of business in the Oak and Bucket game I mean that they could be eight and four I guess that's probably good enough for I would say I don't know Music City Bowl Outback Bowl type of deal and I say Outback Bowl not that
1: uh not that that's probably a little Uh, probably a little ambitious the outback bowl but
0: because I mean, especially with how big the or how good the big ten is this season, how many how many teams are still
1: bowl eligible? uh right now, it's eight, and the big ten will have at least nine because Maryland and Rutgers are both at five, and those two teams play each other. That's true at the end of the season, let's see Nebraska Northwestern. And Indiana are out, so that's 11. And then Maryland and Rutgers is 13. And then Illinois is at 4-6. and six. So Illinois is – Has to win out, and they play they have, very – Iowa and Northwestern, so, so – they could get – I mean, they
0: really could get both. I mean, they, they're they a very odd team this year. I'm not saying they will. They, they but are very odd. Yeah. It could definitely happen. The Big Ten West is – I mean, I, I will not want to call it a mess because that makes it sound like they're all terrible, but they're just chaos is what the Big Ten it West is. is. Yep. Moving on, we've got Rutgers at Penn State. Uh, realistically, I don't think Rutgers should have a chance to win, but I don't think you can count them out just because of how improved they are. I mean, they not that Indiana's a fantastic team, obviously, but they put up big numbers on what should be a decent defense. Uh, and, and Penn State's still kind of trying to figure themselves out. Uh, and Not that they haven't, but they, they haven't really rebounded since their uh their loss to iowa the way that people thought that they would and that's kind of well i don't
1: go ahead i was just i was just gonna say i don't think it was necessarily the iowa loss i think it was the loss to illinois that kind of did them in
0: what is it about penn state that i mean obviously it's not to the effect that it was last year but just having issues recovering from from not being from not living
1: up to their expectation i guess I think it has to do with the mentality. When you go through an entire season and you enter the year and you think you're going to be a Big Ten title contender and you're going to be um, a college football playoff team and all of a sudden you get that second loss, I mean, that's catastrophic. Because all your hopes and dreams have pretty much gone out the window. Now, at that time, if they beat Ohio State and got a little help, they could have still gotten to the Big Ten championship game. I mean, obviously now that's out the window, but... um, you know, I mean, look look at the difference at, like, a team like a Purdue's a good example, right? Like, they probably came in, their, their goal was probably to get to bowl eligibility. Not that they couldn't win the West, but after the last couple seasons, let's just win some games. And their mindset is, we beat Iowa, we beat Michigan State. I still think, even though they got beat by 28 points on the road against Ohio State, I don't think that game was terrible. Like, I think that they were able to move the football and did some mm-hmm. good things offensively. Uh, their defense was awful, but... So it's, to me, it's more of a mindset thing than anything else. And this is why this game is really interesting to me because Rutgers is coming off a huge road win. They need one win to get the bowl eligibility. I don't think Penn State has anything to play for right now other than pride. in a better bowl, I guess. Yeah, but I don't know that they – I hate to say that the kids don't care, but again, well, when, you back, when you go back – When I'm, you when you I'm go, talking about those – when you wanted to get to the big 10 championship when you wanted to get to the Rose bowl and that's gone. Does it really matter if you're going to Nashville or like Detroit? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's still, it's an improvement over last season, obviously, but at the same time, I get what you're saying. Because you could, you could say the same thing theoretically about Indiana with their expectations. But at the same time, I think Indiana would have been glad to be six and six, but it's the fact that they're Indiana. and Right. Yeah, sorry. I just I kind of it kind of made that be the end of my thought. But it, it, there, there's so many there's there's so many I guess you could say blue blood teams that if you're not in the best bowls, why playing a bowl game at all?
1: I guess is what you're getting at. Well, I just think that your expectation versus the reality. Like, imagine if you go to a steakhouse. <laughs> and the best thing they have to offer is a hamburger. Like, are you going to eat it? Yeah, probably. But are you satisfied? Not at all. Yeah. Right. So that's what I mean. That's just my opinion on it. By the way, I do think Penn State wins, but I I think it's interesting. I think this has potential to be an upset just because. I mean, Rutgers the, is going uh, to be fighting, obviously. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So there you go. Who knows? We both took Penn State, though. Illinois at number twenty. Iowa. Kind of a similar situation, really. Illinois has a chance if they went out to be six and six, and Iowa is a team that we've learned over the past couple of weeks that because of their offense, anybody's going to have a chance to win against them. Mm
1: -hmm. I do think Alex Padilla makes a little bit of a difference. I'm not as I'm not as convinced that he's the the long. I mean, he probably is the long term answer. I don't think he's the guy that's going to be putting up forty points a game for the Hawkeyes. Um, but it does uh, – Brett Bielema tested positive for COVID-19, so he's not going to be coaching in this game. Hmm. So that – if he was there, I was going to pick this as an upset. But really? So with you him think all – does he
0: – what, what – what play does he do play calling for any side of the ball?
1: No, I do so.
0: But you still think no. it'll be – it'll have an effect on everything? I still
1: think it's going to – I think it's going to – yeah, I think it's still going to have an effect. So I'm going to pick Iowa in this Plus – we don't. I don't know who all is going to be healthy and, and able to go. I mean, I don't know if there's a situation there, so I'm going to take Iowa in this one.
0: I have Iowa as well. It's interesting to me that you would have – I mean, like I said, not that it's unrealistic, but that, that, that the deciding factor for you was the fact that Brett Bielema would have been there. Next up we have number six, Michigan at Maryland. Uh, I, I think Michigan's riding a lot of momentum right now. Not that Maryland doesn't have anything to play for. Obviously, they're trying to get to that sixth win, but uh, I think Michigan – has a good chance to go into their Ohio State game at the end of the season undefeated, and that obviously continues here with, with Maryland. I think Michigan wins.
1: Yeah, I think Michigan, uh, well, they beat 10 and 1, not undefeated. Um, that, I think i mean, will... unbeaten,
0: I guess, since the loss is what I was referring to. Unbeaten since
1: the loss. <laughs> since their loss I to think, Michigan State. Yeah. I think I will take uh, Michigan as well in this. I don't see Maryland putting up a fight. It's going to be a heck. Um, you know, it's going to, it's been a heck of a run for Jim Harbaugh so far. Don't see that ending. Got a few more. We got Nebraska at number 18,
0: Wisconsin. Uh, Nebraska is the team that they, they remind me. I've say this all the time. They remind me a lot of the, uh, the Kevin Wilson style, Indiana teams, not in the way that they play, but in the way that they're in every game that they play. And I, I didn't choose Nebraska to pull this upset off. I definitely think it could though, obviously, but I'm taking Wisconsin in this.
1: Yep, uh I'm going to take Wisconsin as well. They're just rolling right now. Nebraska's probably going to play this game close. It's probably going to be one possession. Um do you think I just I can't I don't I know don't, the
0: picker's name, but will there be any special teams gaffes?
1: Oh, I'm sure there will be. Um that's happened all I mean, for the most part of the season. I think the difference in this game though is I I just don't know how Nebraska is going to manufacture the kind of offense you need to beat Wisconsin. I just, Adrian Martinez is explosive, is is good with his, with his arm and his legs. Um, But their offensive line isn't particularly good. And you're not going to beat Wisconsin without good offensive line play. We saw that with Purdue. Hmm. We saw that with Northwestern. I mean, I don't think it gets ugly, but I just don't think Nebraska is going to be able to score enough points to win this.
0: There you go. And yeah, Wisconsin, they've definitely shown they can put up more points than earlier this season. They've they've rebounded from a 1-3 and three record to, to, I guess, they've taken six straight. So, yep. there you go. We got Minnesota at Indiana. Man, every time we get to Indiana's game at this point in the season, it's just, it's depressing <laughs> to, to think how, how the, I don't want to say how the mighty have fallen. It's not like they're some college football super blue blood team or anything like that, but... Uh, all these games that would have been something to play for, are really just let's get, get through this and move on to 2022, make sure everybody gets out of the season healthy. Uh, but this, as I said, or, or alluded to right before we got going with pickums the silver lining to this is that you don't really know which Minnesota team is going to show up. Is it going to be the Minnesota team that That's lost complete. to Bowling Green and and Illinois, or is it going to nope. be the Minnesota team that competes with Ohio state and the other good teams? Uh, so, and, and I don't know that that necessarily matters. I think Minnesota could still play poorly and win this game just because of how horrific Indiana is right now. Uh, but there's something to keep in mind. If if Indiana is going to get this, then you're going to see the, 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 the wrong side of Minnesota. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm taking the Gophers. But
1: what do you think, Dustin? No, I think you bring up some good points. I think Minnesota... <clears throat> Should be able to run the ball fairly effectively, and I think that their deep their defense is highly underrated. I mean, it's it's. I don't want to put it in the same category as Indiana because I think their defense is better than Indiana's. But this is a team that has relied heavily on that side of the ball to get wins, and when you look at the fact that Indiana hasn't been able to move the ball against even teams, um, I just I I. I think Minnesota is going to take it out. Minnesota really hasn't blown anybody out. They they uh, I think they had a big win against uh, Northwestern. They had a big win against Maryland, but I don't this is going to be I think a close game, but Minnesota prevails. Yeah. I mean, it is really, I mean
0: any win for Indiana at this point would be a momentum or just a way to get into the off season without a sick taste in your mouth. Obviously, right. you could do it next week again in the Old Oak and Bucket game, too. And that would be, uh, I mean, if you're on the Indiana team, that would be the best way to do it. And you, and you obviously want to win both of these. But uh, you don't want to be 2-10. and 10. If you can find a way to win this, it's great. I don't know that it will. But uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. And then our game of the week and likely, I don't, College Game Day is going to Columbus for this. Uh, yep. The only reason I question it is because I remember there was a big push for uh, an FCS matchup, Montana versus Montana State for the oh yes for the Brawl of the Wild. I, the only reason I know the name of that is because of the J.K. Simmons tweet that that went
1: out. Is that really what it's called, the yeah. Brawl of the Wild? Isn't that awesome? The Brawl That's of the fantastic. Wild,
0: and that alone was the reason I wanted College Game Day to go there. But it's hard to pass up a top ten matchup, number seven Michigan State at number four Ohio State, and as we've hounded on during our uh, our section about the CFP rankings uh I mean this is what it comes down to for both teams I mean they they both already have a loss Ohio State's in the top four right now but it really it doesn't matter you've got to win out you've got to win the Big Ten championship and it starts right here uh, Michigan State's destroyed Ohio State's hoping the hopes in the past uh when uh was it Michael Geiger was his name who uh, hit the game-winning field goal against Ohio yeah, State back in, I guess, twenty fifteen
1: or whatever? Yeah, it was definitely Geiger. I think that was his. Uh, yeah.
0: Only reason I know that is because uh, we used to. Uh, I was in high school at the time. Yeah, we we used to the run. Down the, we used to run down the hallway doing the the Michael Geiger yep. windmill. It was that was
1: iconic. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that, still... So you can't forget that. Uh, I don't know. I'm not saying this Michigan State team isn't talented because they obviously are. But I think going into the season, you knew Michigan State had a lot more going for it that year. I do think they can pull off this upset, but I do think Ohio State will win. Uh on Michigan State, I I'm not I'm not saying they're overrated. I think they're they're definitely a top ten team, but I do still think that the teams above them are a little bit ahead of them right now. Except for
1: Michigan. Um <laughs> Except think... for Michigan, yeah. I think, honestly, that this game can look a lot like Ohio State-Purdue um, in the fact that I just don't know. When Ohio State's offense is clicking at a high level, they they torched a Purdue defense that was third in the Big Ten against the pass this season. Michigan State ranks last against the pass. Now, their defense probably has a few more guys who can make plays and you know get an interception or force a fumble. Their defensive line is able to get more pressure, so it's going to be interesting. But I, I just see this game being. Mel Tucker said he wanted to vomit when he heard the term "shootout." I think that's what it's going to be. I, I don't know that the scoring is going to be necessarily as high as it was, fifty-nine thirty-one. But I think that this is going to be an you know, Ohio State, you know, forty-nine to twenty-eight game. I, I just I think that it's going to be. Not so bad where you think that Michigan State deserves to drop out of the top 10, but also not really close where you think Michigan State is one of the top five teams in the country.
0: There you go. Well, And as we mentioned earlier, uh, we needed to have, I think we said nine differences over the course of the next two weeks for there to be any shot, but we agree on every single game. But, I mean, it's kind like <laughs> of kinda, it's like I was saying, when you get to this point in the season, you kind of know what you're getting into, you know what to expect from each team. I mean, obviously, upsets can happen any week. Uh, but at the same time, it's... Um, I mean, you, like I said, you know what you're getting into, and we'll leave it at that. This That'll do it for another episode of This Week in Indiana Football. Thanks for sticking with us. Another long one. We have a good time on this every week. And thankfully, we were able to get it in at a, a regular time as well this time. Didn't have to yeah. sit there and figure out when to do it. So. Thanks, Dustin, for joining us as always, and we'll see you on uh, Indiana Sports Beat this Thursday, too. Sounds
1: good. That'll do it. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.